The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. Pushover, tractable, a yes man. All words to describe those who uh, can't but say yes when all they want to say is a capital N-N-O. Uh, good fences make good neighbours, the saying goes. Well, joining me in studio to talk about her new book that will help you if you have this problem, and most people have, is Natalie Liu, author of The Joy of Saying No. Natalie, good morning and welcome. Thanks, Pat. Thank you for having me. Now, uh, you were a self-confessed people pleaser. Explain. I was somebody who said yes when I really meant no. I The way I was acting on the outside was very different from how I felt on the inside. So I, I wanted to please. And so I was somebody who I put my needs, desires, expectations, feelings and opinions to the bottom of the pile to prioritise everybody else. And I did it because I wanted attention, affection, approval, love and validation. But I also did it to avoid conflict. Okay, so what sort of things would you do? And don't mention any names. (laughs) (laughs) The kind of things that you would do that you really didn't want to do. So I I would have certain people who would sort of expect that I would be the solver. So it was like, you volunteer, you help out, you do this thing, you come to the rescue. So I'd have to drop everything, no matter what was going on. You know, it might be like, I'm supposed to be in work, but now I'm thinking I need to get out of here because I need to go and help out this friend or this this family member. I was very over-accommodating in my okay, romantic And it could be someone who says, look, uh, I have this terrible problem. I've got a boyfriend issue or something issue and I'd love to talk. Can we meet in the pub tonight? And you had determined that you wanted to sit down, um, read a book or watch the telly. Yeah, absolutely. And instead you're like, oh, but I don't want to hurt that person's feelings by 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 saying no and I need to be there for them. But then you're exhausted and, and fraught and you've now got to go back into work and you're, and you're wrecked. Mm. And my other one that was very common, I mean, I really struggled with boundaries with family. So I was always getting roped into all sorts and I really struggled to say no really about anything with them because I didn't want to get into an argument. Romantic relationships, well, I just became whatever a guy wanted me to be. So, you know, I'd start to lose my personality very quickly in in relationships. And I I had terrible boundaries with romantic partners. So I accepted very, very poor behaviour in my relationships as well. Okay, and that's pretty bad uh, to to be in that situation where you become what the guy wants you to be. Yeah. Um, Because that could be quite uh, humiliating. Oh, it can be because you... One, something that happens with a lot of people pleasers is you be what you think other people want you to be and then you find yourself doing things that can at best be embarrassing and sometimes humiliating and then they turn around and they don't like you or they reject you or they criticise you and you're like, well, hold on a second, I've just given myself up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, now, you in your book, uh, and it's a fascinating book, you have five types of people pleaser. We might go uh, through them. They're They're all... Ing people, I-N-G, the gooding person. What's a gooding person? So they are somebody who's very concerned with looking good and being good. You know, I'm a good person. I'm a good Catholic. I'm a good Christian. I'm a good employee, a good mother, whatever it might be. And so they're very concerned with giving that impression to people, even if they might not necessarily be always doing the the so-called good things. But it's very important to for them to look good to others, for them to be liked. They hate the idea of not being liked. Mm. Um, The efforting person. Oh, that's me. So 
it's all about effort for, for that type of people pleaser. So they use their efforts to please others. And so they're all about giving 100%. God knows she works hard. Oh, yeah, oh God. Oh, she <laughs> puts, it, puts in the hours, that one. You know, trying to be the best, the perfectionism. They never want to be seen to, to be not making an effort. And so we'll go overboard and we're the most likely to burn out as well. The avoiding person? So... If you're somebody who is very afraid of discomforting others, so you're never going to kind of do anything that might create conflict. You always want to avoid inconvenience in people, discomforting people. You're also the person who's never going to talk about the elephant in the room. Like you would make yourself deeply uncomfortable, deeply in pain if you thought it would keep the peace. Uh, the saving person. Uh, the, the rescuers, helpers, fixers and savers of this world. When you're that type of people pleaser, on some level, you need to be needed. And so you're going to end up wearing yourself out, helping others, volunteering, trying to fix and save people from any problem you hear about, you respond to. Yeah, And sometimes as well, it's without them even asking you to. You just have this sense of, oh, I can dive in here and help. Uh, And the, the final category, the suffering person. Yeah. So this is where there's this sort of mentality of. The more you suffer, the better that makes you as a person. Like, look at me and how much I'm tolerating. That makes me a really good person. But on some level as well, you're kind of hoping that after you've sort of bled for them as such, that the person will turn around and be like, oh, I'll finally meet your needs or I'll finally do the thing that you want or I'll finally change. Now, you were um, one of those people, a people (laughs) pleaser. How did you break out of the cycle? So a big change really occurred for me when I had been diagnosed with, with an immune system disease called sarcoidosis, and I was really unwell. And when I was told that I had pretty damning prognosis, you know, sort of be on steroids for life or be dead by type, by 40 type of thing, I suddenly thought to myself, how have I spent so much of my life sort of catering to everybody else and now I'm being told this? And so I said no to going on steroids. And that was the, really the big no that changed everything for me. And then I realized, well, Natalie, if you're going to, you know, focus on improving your health, you know, trying to eat right, all of these things, what's the point in trying to improve your health if you're not going to start to improve your boundaries? And so that meant like cutting back on the overworking and saying no to the dodgy dates and the dodgy exes popping you know, up into my life and to family making demands on me. And as I actually started to say these no's, I started to feel better about myself. Do we have a difficulty in saying no to certain kinds of people? Well, you know, I, I think it was uh, Liz Gilbert from uh, the Eat, Pray, Love who said that uh, family know how to push your buttons because they're the ones who installed them. <laughs> and I, I think that family, because that's, you know, the people who we grew up around are the people who are going to find it hardest to say no with because they're the ones who taught us the messages about what mm. is good and bad about, you mm. know, saying yes and no. Is there something in Irish uh, cultural uh, attitudes, the way we're brought up, that leads us to be people pleasers. You know the kind of person who uh, a tourist stops and asks them, well, do you know where the museum is? And they'll give them directions <laughs> even though they don't know. <laughs> do you know, I'm laughing because actually I flew in yesterday and I went for a walk down the Sandy Mount and somebody stopped me to ask me <laughs> for directions to Pier Street Station. And next thing you know, I've been stood there two or three minutes <laughs> giving her directions to walk there. Pleasing the tourists. Yes, So absolutely. you haven't completely shaken it all oh, off. That's why I'm a recovering people pleaser. Do you know, I think it's most definitely a part of Irish culture. You know, you've got the whole Catholic guilt, but also we're, we're a nation that kind of, we, 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 we want to please 
And also, I think as well in Irish culture, there is this sense of, you know, there's some very annoying stereotypes around. So we also want to be seen to be not being those stereotypes. And that can force us into some people pleasing as well. Now, you have a caveat, mTOR. Um, you will get pushback when you start saying no, because people are used to you saying yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because, look, it's unrealistic to spend most of your life avoiding saying no. And then one day you turn around and say it and that everybody's just going to roll over and be like, oh, thank you so much for finally turning around and saying no. Some people are going to be like, what on earth? is going on here like what are you doing so when you do have that pushback it's not a sign that your no is wrong it's a sign that this person isn't actually used Mm. to you now you would maintain that a lot of the way we are is because of the way we were parented Mm -hmm. so therefore you suggest we reparent ourselves what do you mean by that (laughs) well it is that whole you know i say that we were raised if you were not a child right now you were raised during what i call the age of obedience you know where being a kid was about you obey authorities without question. And so now it's about being a bit more gentle with ourselves. And instead of bullying, you know, emotionally blackmailing ourselves into saying yes, it's really having a more gentle sort of guided relationship with ourselves and not repeating the stuff that not all of the stuff that our parents or caregivers said was actually healthy. So breaking away from that and being very mindful about how we treat ourselves. Now, uh, you have to be careful, I suppose, that you don't keep on turning things down, Mm. that when you do manage to accept one against your better judgment, you end up having a whale of a time. Oh, yeah. Look, I met my husband that way. You know, I was uh, invited on a on a charity, out to a charity event. I was like, I don't want to go to that. Saturday night, I was going to put my feet up, watch 24. And then she was like, oh, go on, go on, come on. And he was doing the same thing with his friend. And we both go to this charity night and we meet and we're still together, you know, almost 17 years later. However, in that instance, you know, I was just kind of being lazy, really, in that instance. But if I was feeling exhausted, I wouldn't force myself to go out because I'm not I'm just going to feel even more rough the following day so I think it's really getting a sense of where are you forcing yourself into stuff sort of unwillingly and force you know going over your bandwidth and where are you kind of being like I can't really be bothered but actually once you're out you could have a good time In your book you quote someone called Marie Forleo an entrepreneur author of Everything is Figureoutable who is known for saying if it's not a hell yes, then it's a hell no. <laughs> now, what do you mean? What do you interpret from that? So I think that, you know, that's really about enthusiastically consenting to stuff rather than, you know, sort of saying yes, even though you feel miserable about it on the inside. However, something I do say in the book is not everything can be a hell yes. Some things are going to be a moderate yes. But it's starting to notice the difference between those times when, you know, somebody asks you to do something and outwardly you go, yeah, sure, no problem. Inwardly, you're giving yourself a hard time or you're cursing. Don't they realize how much I've got on at the moment? Why are they asking me this? When you're having that kind of thought process or feeling away about it, that's a sign that you need to say no. And the title of the book suggests that you have found the joy of saying no. Absolutely. I mean, I look back and I realise that all the good stuff in my life has really come about from me learning to say no when I need one to ensure. You know, I said no in that doctor's office to go on a steroids for life. I started changing my life. I met my husband eight months later. I've been in remission. I've gone on to do, you know, share my story with the you know people around the world. But also, I just feel better about myself and my relationships ever since I've learned to say no, because I was tired of feeling resentful and, and hating myself for it as well. 
Well, we could probably talk about the nuns in Loretto Docky and how they <laughs> fashioned your attitudes to saying yes or no, but we won't do that today because that's where you were educated, Loretto Docky. That's right. Anyway, yeah. the book is called The Joy of Saying No. It's published by Harper Horizon and its author, Natalie Lou. Thank you very much for joining us in the studio. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9 a.m. on News Talk.